Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Tuesday, November 29th. The normal crew here. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you can save. We're all, well, Field and I are wearing sweaters. Stefania, you decided to dress up nice. I don't know how you can do this. I'm freezing. I literally have on a t-shirt, a hoodie, <laughs> and then another jacket on top of it. And Field's so cold, his hands are in his hoodie, hoodie pockets. Yeah, you know, so you know like how quarterbacks have that thing they wear around their waist yeah. uh, to keep their hands warm when it's cold out and they don't want to wear gloves because they're not like Kenny Pickett or Teddy Bridgewater exactly. Yeah, I'm doing this right now. But Daniel, I think it's kind of unfair when you and I underdress relative to Stefania because on top of her infinite wisdom and graciousness and beauty and fantasy prowess, She's also better dressed than us. Like I this know. is not okay, Daniel. No, no. I'm nervous about what's coming because no, <laughs> no, nothing. Set up, you guys. No, were... there's nothing. And by the way, I have a sweater, a scarf, and all the winter things over in the corner. Mm. I just, you know, I'm a professional. That's so right. Oh, time wow. For the show. Well, I'm not sure what professionals are. I'm not sure what we are, Daniel. You and I are just making it somehow. That's all. You know, it's I'm gonna zipper my I'm pockets up so I can't put my hands you know? back in. The, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know it's chilly in the studio. We got a huge show to be able to talk about today. Monday Night Football recap, which we are excited about. We got a bunch of news to get into. We also have our waiver wire with Eric Moody. It's week 13. What? We are in, first off, Lucky week 13. who knew, but we are in the thick of the playoff hunt at this point. So much to be able to talk about today. Let's just jump right in. Monday night football, Stefania, and I want to start with Najee Harris. Unfortunately, as it feels like we always do, Najee was looking pretty nice there in the first half. And then towards the end of the first half, I think it was a final drive of the first half. Yep. Ended up leaving the game. What do you, can you tell us about Najee Harris? Yeah, he left, came back in, had a touchdown, leaves early before halftime to go back to the locker room, ends up uh, being ruled out in the second half because of an abdominal injury. You can see him on the sideline sort of pointing to an area that the Steelers medical staff was examining, like they were trying to figure out exactly what was going on, but obviously something they didn't want to risk getting worse, and he ultimately comes out for the rest of the game. This one's really tricky for a few reasons. First of all, I, I may have missed if my Mike Tomlin said something after the game. But as of right now, as we're preparing for waivers tonight, we don't know whether or not Najee is expected to play this upcoming Sunday. So you may have Najee Harris. You may not. And that's where it might be even trickier. As the Steelers were without their normal backup running back in Jalen Warren, who was so impressive during training camp that he earned a roster spot over Anthony McFarland, who got promoted to the practice squad last night. And he was playing quite a bit and playing pretty well in the first half of last night's game. And in the second half, with Najee out, Benny Snell took over, and he ends up finding the end zone. He has 12 carries. So he pretty good. If not, he did look pretty good. So if Najee's out, we don't know that if it's we don't know if it's going to be just one guy who right. handles the the Najee Harris role, or if it's going to be all three of those players that sort of combine to make up for the Najee Harris role. My instincts tell me that it would be more likely to be a committee yeah. than a one man band. And for that reason, it's hard to say. All right, you got to go out. You got to grab Jalen Warren, or you got to grab Anthony McFarlane. Or you got to grab Betty Snell. I think if I had to order them, it would go Benny Snell, Jalen Warren, and last, Anthony McFarlane. And here's the reason why. Jalen Warren's hurt, too. We don't know if he's going to play this upcoming week. So I don't want to tell you, hey, go grab Jalen Warren and then miss out on the waiver wire of Benny Snell. And then Warren's out for week 13. So a complicated situation. We'd love to give you more information. But right now, it's a little bit of a guess as we go into the initial run of waivers. Yeah, Benny Snell and Najee Harris combined last night for... 24 fantasy points at the running back position. Boy, would that not have been great? If it was all Najee? If it was just all Najee yeah. Harris. Yeah. You know, so we'll see what happens there. Obviously, something to be able to watch. I talked about this on tailgate last night for uh, Monday Night Football. It feels like Deontay Johnson, I understand, still getting more targets. But it feels like there's a changing of the guard at the wide receiver position because Kenny, Kenny, or Kenny Pickett, George Pickens <laughs> yeah. is the guy that is all the flash. He is the big play. And you look at... When I look at Deontay Johnson, five catches for 49 yards. That means he's averaging just under, just under 10 yards per catch. Okay. Which is not awful, but it's definitely short of the line of scrimmage. George Pickens, three for 57 is going for almost 20 yards per, per catch. He had that two point conversion. There's so much buzz around this young guy. I, I kind of feel like there's a change here. I wrote about this last week in Field Pass as well, Daniel, that if you're evaluating these two wide receivers, I don't know how many people are having to choose between these two for a flex spot or even a wide receiver two or three spot, depending on how the league's roster is set up. But if you were, 
I'm with you, Daniel. It's George Pickens, and here's the reason why. Deontay Johnson has literally not scored a touchdown this season. Right. Like, yep. not one. He leads. He's the only player. They flashed this graphic on the uh, during the game last night. He's the only player with at least 50 catches and zero touchdowns. That number only increases. He had five more catches last night. There's not much big play upside. You referenced that the yards targets, catch. right field. Like that's the thing we always talk yeah, about. Uh, so over the last two weeks, it was dead even between he and George Pickens. They'd also run the exact same number of routes. So you're looking for who's more likely to score a touchdown. The answer is George, George Pickens. Pickens. Who is more likely to have a big play? The answer is clearly Easily. George Pickens. And those are enough to tilt things in the favor of Pickens as the number one Steelers wide receiver in terms of where we went, where we rank them week over week. The reality is though that compared to previous years where you might've had two Steelers receivers in the top 20, I'm not sure you can have any Steelers yeah. receiver in the top 30 right now. Not because Kenny Pickett isn't playing well. He's actually showing some signs. It's just, this is a relatively low volume passing offense. Not a lot of big play upside. The secret sauce for the Steelers this year is going to be running the football well enough, playing good enough defense. Mm-hmm. And as their kicker did last night, making all of their kicks when presented the opportunity to convert them, that's how they're going to win. I mean, they won this game 24-17, and it felt like a high-scoring affair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it's weird, too, because Deontay Johnson had circus catch after circus catch, and when we saw him in the preseason, we saw him early on, it looked like he was the clear number one. We were worried about Chase Claypool getting anything because of Deontay Johnson. Yeah. Now Chase Claypool not in the mix, and Deontay Johnson's fallen off to... George Pickett. Yeah, I'd have to look this up. Kyle maybe can do it uh, as we move forward. But just again, when we talk about things that matter in fantasy, we're talking about volume and scale, but also touchdowns. Those are the difference maker. That's the way that you win your matchups week over week. And the Steelers are not the Broncos, but in terms of offensive touchdowns scored, like it just you're banking on like one and a half per game for Pittsburgh, not three. Not three and a half. Oh, as a team. One and a half per game. Yeah, as a team. That's kind of what you're looking for. They just don't score a lot of touchdowns. As we just mentioned, Deontay Johnson hasn't scored a touchdown at all this season. Pickens has been better of late. But even Pat Pat Fryermuth hasn't scored since week two. So um, guys that are useful in fantasy, you would think, and Fryermuth still is because there's so few good tight ends, guys that are useful in fantasy on the surface, not as – Useful when you dig just an inch deeper because of the way that this offense is performing. Yep. And that part is tough. Obviously, like you said, Pat Frymuth, the guy that we're still going to be starting, having ranked as a starter with how much volume he gets in this offense. But tough going here. Three catches for 39 yards, 6.9 fantasy points. Let's talk about the Colts because Jonathan Taylor, Stefania, looked good. All right, they're the 28th ranked offense Ugh, this season. Gross. Uh, the only teams, only yeah, teams. They're behind Denver, Carolina. Denver's one of them. So it's like Denver and I think it's Houston and it's somebody yeah. else. So they're 28. They don't score a lot of points. They just don't. Yikes. Yikes. All right, uh, Jonathan Taylor, 86 I, rushing yards I know, and a touchdown. I felt so bad with that exchange. And it, it's funny, this is how you know that you work in fantasy. As soon as that exchange happened with the fumble, I was like, yep. who's that getting taken Who's away from? Yeah. Jonathan Taylor's on my team. And they're like, Matt Ryan credited with the fumble. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, I, you know, so obviously that unfortunate handoff there. But Jonathan Taylor runs so well. And it's like, if you look at the just what he's having to run through. It really makes you appreciate him as a running back gets in the end zone. Great for fantasy. Yeah. I actually thought they kind of got away from him early in the game. Uh, and the broadcast was talking they about did. that, that and, it was like, and then they, it was like, it they got the, Oh, Hey, second half. It's like, Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah, Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. on our team. Yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and just for those that are ever wondering how the scoring typically works on those quarterback handoff or quarterback running back exchanges, I believe, because this came up over the weekend, um, I think it was Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers had a situation. Maybe, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, in any event, I believe the way at which it works is that unless the running back handles and possesses the football. For like, it makes a like, football, makes a football move, move. Yes. Right. Which all kinds of gray area with football. Yeah, moves yes, Saints is. fans are like, I know what you're talking about. Um, it's not going to be a fumble for the running back. It's right. going to be on the quarterback, which is where it ended up uh, for the Colts last night. Yeah. Solid day for Jonathan Taylor. Like he's, he's basically back, right? I mean, if you're at all lamenting 18.8 fantasy points, just, Shame Remember where we were a, yeah. a month ago with Jonathan oh, Taylor. Yes. And if you hung tough with Michael Pittman, seven for 61 and a touchdown, got you 19.1 oh, fantasy points. He's just points. such a good player, too. Yep. Finally, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So talented. So talented. Yeah. Made, it made, some of those catches would not have been made by another another player. So if you weren't watching, you should appreciate what he got for you. Absolutely. Paris Campbell with a little bit of a down game here. Last two games have been a little down for Paris Campbell. Two mm-hmm. catches for only 14 yards. 
3.4 fantasy points. I think the only other person to talk about is just Big Jelani Woods. <laughs> I mean, what I don't know hey, what to say about it. He had 13 targets coming into the game last night, and he had nine last yeah. night. I'm not sure what to make of it either. I mean, it's is this like a thing or is it a one? I mean, it helps when you, yeah, yeah. when Andre the Giant is out there playing tight end. Like, why not throw the ball that many times to him? But yeah, my guess would be this is much more of a flash in the pan. The Colts play a ton of multiple tight end sets. By yep. the way, Kylan Granson was out for this game last night because he got sick. They ended up promoting a practice squad tight end. We know Mo Ali Cox is going to have a role, and Mo Ali Cox does one thing particularly well for fantasy, and that's score when they're near the goal line. So, I. Jelani Woods is a nice player. He had a crazy athletic profile coming out of Virginia last year, like one of the most athletic tight end prospects ever. Yep. Not quite there yet, especially in a passing offense that they outdueled the Steelers and Matt Ryan had under 200 passing yards. Uh, I'll tell you what, you exactly. don't want Jonathan to Matt Ryan to throw a whole lot, though. They won this game playing exactly the way they needed to. Yeah, that's uh, well, the Steelers won this game. Oh, yeah, the Steelers won this game <laughs> playing exactly the way that they needed <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, yeah. But it did change the lead. I mean, it was, it was down to the it wire. Back and forth. We're going to make it. This was a much discussed end of the game as um, <laughs> the old chestnut of never leave a game with timeout still in your pocket. Uh, certainly uh, came to fruition last dude. night as uh, obviously many of us are, are wondering why Indianapolis was reticent to use tight out, uh, timeouts with less than a minute to go. But, um, you know, clock management's a really tricky thing. Just for I, a second, it, not, not tricky necessarily when we're watching the game, but it's tricky because there are Spy and I were in a conversation before the show and how, like, I, I, I truly believe that we have gotten a little bit, and I say we, mean to the media, sometimes we get a little bit too know-it-all for our own good. Like, we know more than these coaches and players do, which is pretty rarely the case, right? Yeah. <laughs> clock management, though, is one area where like we kind of all know the parameters of what good and bad clock management looks like. The difference between us and head coaches is that we're sitting there with a score bug that has, okay, three timeouts, 116 right. to go, and we can see it all <laughs> from this big you know, aerial view. It's very easy for us to see all the elements in play. I've talked about this recently. The worst view in sports is on the on football sideline. Side it stinks. Oh, yeah. We talk about that for medicine. Yeah. People are how could they not see it? Well, they're not looking at an all 22 view. 53 they're, they're yards got, away. And most they of the medical staff smaller than the people yeah. who are in front of them, and they might be tending to another player. So to your point. No doubt Jeff Saturday needs to know how many timeouts he has and approximately how much time is left. But just trying to make this like make the case for him is that he's looking up around a ring in the stadium that might have, okay, here's the game clock. Here's the time of day it is. Like it's whatever, 1052 <laughs> local time. Next is how many timeouts they have, how many timeouts the Steelers have. Next is like a Miller Lite advertisement. Right. Mm -hmm. Next is like an Indiana and a Farmer's Bureau advertisement. Like there's just a lot of stuff going right. on. And you don't know who's in his ear yeah. saying so, what, what they're going to do with the quarterbacks. You know, counterpoint. Knows? It's Wait, hard though. We should. We they still deserve. No, and and this isn't about that. But like, if you're just regardless of the coach, if you're an NFL team, like, is it not worth it to just pay Field Jates, Field Jates off the street four hundred thousand dollars that knows football to be able just to be your clock management person? Well, I would take that job in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, what I will tell you though, Daniel, is that there is usually somebody they who is helping a head people. coach. <laughs> the problem is that like the actual act of calling a timeout is something that a head coach will say, that's my job, all right? Because if an assistant calls a timeout and then it, and the head coach oof. doesn't want it, there's yeah. going to be H-E double hockey sticks to pay. <laughs> well, that's fair. That's fair. All Even right. uh, sometimes if a quarterback calls it and the head coach yeah. and the quarterback are in disagreement, because there was some discussion yeah. that maybe Matt Ryan could have initiated that yeah. last night. Yeah, and so, totally. Veteran quarterback like Matt yeah. Ryan. Let's talk about another veteran quarterback, Stefania <laughs> nice Bell. Segue. Let's move on to the news. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. A couple of injury updates here. Aaron Rodgers obviously came into the game with a thumb injury that we had talked about, but also left the game after dealing with some rib stuff, it looked like. What's the latest on Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, we, we finally got Aaron Rodgers to confess about the thumb injury and that it had been bothering him to some degree, although he wouldn't make excuses for it. But clearly, it's been affecting him. And then he ends up with a rib injury in this game. He spoke about it afterwards and said he had concern about a punctured lung. We've talked about this with rib injuries before. If you indeed have a fracture and there's a sharp edge of a rib that is adjacent to the lung, there's the risk for poking a hole in that lung, and, and that can make it very difficult to breathe. Of course, it's difficult to breathe, period, with any sort of rib injury. So the good news is uh, I think the scans came back. Uh, they, they were vague about what the actual results were, but 
better than expected in the sense that Aaron Rodgers will play, according to Matt LaFleur, if he feels healthy enough to play this weekend. So uh, no major injury there, but we've seen how tough it is for quarterbacks with a rib injury of any kind, whether it's muscular, whether it's cartilage, whether it's bone, you've still got to be able to twist, Mm -hmm. throw, breathe, move, all of these things and protect yourself. And you you combine that with a thumb issue and Aaron Rodgers just not himself, but they are going to let him play if he's healthy enough. And we've we've had plenty of conversations about how disappointing he has been for fantasy. It's no longer about whether you are starting Aaron Rodgers. It is a good matchup, though. I should note that if you have been somehow holding on and you're still in the playoff mix with Aaron Rodgers, which strikes me as pretty unlikely. That would be unlikely. But if you are, like it actually is a good matchup against the Bears, as we know, a team that's dealt with numerous secondary injuries and they've traded away several key veterans on defense. But no matter whether or not you're considering Aaron Rodgers... For the Christian Watsons and the Alan Lazars and maybe even Randall Cobbs of the world, it's better if Aaron Rodgers is out there than if Jordan Love is out there. Like Jordan Love showed some stuff and did have that touchdown pass to Christian Watson, but that was like a like an eight yard slant that Watson just ran the remaining forty eight yards on his own. So um, we want Aaron Rodgers on the field for fantasy. We do. Do we? <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 if you have Christian Watson, would you prefer Aaron Rodgers or would you prefer Jordan Love on the field? On you know. Like I, I, ideally, I understand what you're saying. I would rather have Aaron Rodgers. Like I, I get that. What I've seen from Aaron Rodgers is like such a low floor for these these guys, though. Like they're not lighting the world on you fire. Know I, I know what's happening right now, Stefania. <laughs> I have Jordan Love in our dynasty league, and so no, no, I'm really no, no, trying no, to speak no, into no, existence. No, 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 I know what's happening right now. We got a Lions, Lions fan I knew it, I knew it. who is sensing Lions. a rare opportunity to pounce on the Packers. Mm-hmm. You don't really think you'd prefer to have Jordan Love under center for if you have. Christian Watson. You, I think you'd prefer if Aaron. I think Rogers. I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers. Okay, just which I get it. Listen, there are some Lions fans that probably feel the same way you do, right? Like you guys deserve to. But here's you the can thing. yourself a little bit, right? I now. want a healthy Aaron Rodgers because oh, totally. because if he says he's going to play and he's toughing it out, and with a rib injury, you can't necessarily make the throws, and you can't get it to your quarterback for uh, that big play. Then I'm going to have a problem. At least they're in the playoff hunt, and he's not <laughs> making fifty million dollars a year, so that's a positive. For the Packers, the Packers, Lions, man, yeah, no big deal. All right, let's talk totally. about let's talk about Jamar Chase's return, huh, Stefania? Are we going to see Jamar Chase on the field here this week? Well, it sounds like we have a better chance to see him, and you know, we had heard that he was maybe going to be back this week, and then he was not active. And I want to share with you um, some of Zach Taylor's comments yesterday in response to Ben Baby, who covers the team for us, asking about why the extra week and what would it do for him. And I thought the answer was somewhat enlightening. And he said, I think it was just more he was off of it for four weeks. Last week allowed him to get on the grass and run routes. And so they, he was just, think about this, he was just getting running on the grass and doing routes on air yesterday, or last week. And he had not been doing that for four weeks prior. So, number one, it tells me that they were really protecting the joint. So it's a little more significant issue than just like a muscle strain, for example. And number two, it tells you that they want to see more football activity, a little more physical practice from him before they put him back into a game. I think they're feeling very good about this week. But Zach Taylor still would not commit to all that he would do in practice. So I think they want to watch what happens but it certainly sounds as if Jamar Chase is much more likely to return this week than he was last. And here's one of the hard things, Field, if he does return this week, like Stefania is saying, they obviously have taken the cautious angle with this one. He might not be 100% full go, but there's no way that you can't not play Jamar Chase if you've been waiting so long. Let me, let me use this. Let me use this moment to not educate the people, but to remind the people. So on Sunday... When Josh Jacobs was added to the Raiders injury report on Friday, we had a couple of conversations on fantasy football now. And one of the questions that was proposed was, is there a chance that his workload is slightly limited because of the fact that he has a calf issue that popped up on Friday? And just using logic, you're saying to yourself, yeah, it's possible. Sure. It's not enough to influence our decision to start or sit Josh Jacobs. Let me repeat that. It is not enough to influence our decision to start or sit Josh Jacobs, but it's possible. Use that thought process and just apply it to Jamar Chase and really any star that's going to play, unless a coach comes out and says, Jamar Chase is going to play 12 snaps on Sunday. That's the maximum. And to be honest with you, very few coaches are actually being forthright 
when they say that. I give Sean McDermott a lot of credit, the Bills head coach, because in their first game back with Tredavious White, he started the game. People were like, what? They're letting him start? He played two series. They said, that's it. Done. 15 snaps. That was our amount for you. You're done. You're out. Coming off of a major knee injury, a full year recovery. We'll be smart with you. Meanwhile, Hollywood Brown was supposed to be on a snap count. Mm-hmm. He played all but one snap in the first half. So uh, I don't necessarily. And this is where uh, this is where following the teams is a good. You know, you you start to understand who is forthcoming and who is not because in Arizona they often tell us that someone is day. Cliff Kingsbury uses day to day all the time yeah. for players who are week to week, and they are not even close to day to day. And another example, Keenan Allen came back yeah. and was expected to be on limited work. But then they had yet another injury, and all of a sudden Keenan Allen ends up playing more than they expected him to uh, because he was feeling okay. So there are usually guidelines, unless you're coming off a very specific thing. Chris Godwin, when he first came back from his ACL injury, was expected to be limited and end up getting hurt. But uh, if you know the team and you know the coach who's issuing the statement Hmm. about how they're going to be utilized, you can decide whether you want to trust it. Absolutely. That was a bit of a rant. It's week 13. Yeah. Um, but it met, but that stuff matters. Yeah. You know, these are playoff decisions for sure. fantasy, or you're going to get in or out. So. And I think that's it for me. If I'm going to play, if I'm in a playoff spot field and I've been sitting without Jamar Chase for the last four weeks, and now I'm in a spot where, hey, I'm in a win or go home, and I've got Jamar Chase or whoever the backup is, I'm oh, playing, playing playoff. No, I'm playing you're Jamar playing Chase, and it's you're not even him. a question. You're playing yeah. him, and it's a matchup that Jamar Chase has had some success with. Ooh. As you may recall, last yeah. year, right around this time, Jamar Chase had perhaps the game of the season for fantasy when he ripped the Chiefs secondary apart. Much different Chiefs secondary this year, but Jamar Chase, you can imagine. I mean, what a game. Best week of games on the regular season schedule, maybe by far this season, is week 13. Absolutely awesome games, left and right, start to finish. Thursday night football is a good one. Monday night football is a good one. Lots of drama happening this week. Lots of drama. Stefania, are the Jacksonville yes. Jaguars going Daniel. to have Travis Etienne in their showdown against the Detroit Lions this week? Yeah, I love it. Are you saying it like E T E T N? Because that, yeah, yeah, you know, his little nickname. Um, yeah, it looks like they will, and this is kind of a surprise. He was listed as questionable to return with a foot injury. We saw him on the sidelines watching. Actually, kind of a good sign. He came out. He was still in his uniform. We didn't see him in any protective device. Turns out that he got his foot rolled up on his surgically repaired foot. And so the team was just being smart. Like uh, they just wanted to make sure there was nothing else going on. Sounds like he dodged a bullet. His foot ended up being just fine and they expect him to be able to play. They'll see how he does in practice. Great matchup thing I'll add, yeah, but it's a good matchup. Just in case, if you have Travis Etienne, wouldn't be the worst idea to add Michael Hasty. But this is perfect. This is perfect. You said that's fine. I mean, Daniel, because I was going to say to Michael Hasty and then sort of like nervously go, Daryl Henderson. It's tricky, right? But I think it's worth adding one of them, right? And we don't know exactly what Henderson's role will be. Henderson was not playing well for the Rams, obviously, before he got waived. That's part of the reason why he got waived. Um, I think it would be smart to add an insurance back. Yep. Just just in case. You never know, right? Because... Doug Peterson, pretty good with injuries, I would say, over his track, over his course of being a head coach. But if his foot, whatever you want to call it, soreness or pain, percolates and it's Wednesday or Thursday and he's still not practicing, that could indicate that things do change. I mean, it happens literally every yeah. week. Every week. Yep. All right, Stefania, let's talk about some wide receivers here. Darnell Mooney left early and it appears he's <sighs> going to be out for the season. Yeah, really sad for him. Just so he got fallen on by a Jets defender, sort of the classic mechanism for an ankle fracture. Uh, and he's expected to have surgery and miss the rest of the year. Which is tough. Um, I mean, the good news is that I expect him to be 100% when he that. comes back yeah. next year, but it's an unfortunate ending to his I don't season. think really quickly in the Bears, that's not going to change anything because they're not a pass-happy enough offense for it to mean a whole lot. And you can talk about Chase Claypool and how we can do this stuff. Like yeah, dark, we'll So maybe DFS is a different opportunity, but season we'll, long. Well, a couple things here. We'll see if Justin Fields plays on Sunday. They go into a bye the week after that. So uh, if you're fighting for a playoff spot, Bears wide receivers are probably not, not really on your radar. And if you're comfortably in the playoffs, it's probably because you have good enough receivers to not have to worry about playing a Bears receiver. If you're comfortably in the playoffs field, are you picking up Melvin Gordon knowing that he just signed with the Chiefs? Nope. Okay. No, I mean, he. it's a Melvin Gordon has been a really good player for a long time. This is a move that probably has more name value than it does fantasy value. He's a first round pick. He's been a touchdown maker, but uh, think about the things that would have to happen most likely for Melvin Gordon to have a fantasy relevant role for the chiefs. It would probably include multiple injuries to <laughs> Isaiah either Pacheco. Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon or Ronald Jones. 
Um, maybe he gives them a dash of work here or there. By the way, Clyde Edward Delaire could return at some point this regular season. He's on IR, so it's not like he is forbidden yeah. from coming back. So um, I would say no fantasy value. Stefania, Elijah Mitchell. Gosh. Is on the injury report. This one bumps me up. Again. Bumps you up. Well, I mean, <laughs> relatively <laughs> speaking. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh, you know, remember how after Mexico City, we were saying the 49ers had a clean bill of health and Kyle Shanahan was just feeling like he yeah. didn't know what to do with himself because the injury report was so clean for the 49ers. Well, no more. Uh, Elijah Mitchell has an MCL sprain, and this is not the same knee that he injured earlier in the season that sent to IR for the first time. It's the opposite side. So if you talk about bad luck, uh, it's just really unfortunate for him. Projected to be out six to eight weeks. What's interesting is that the 49ers, of course, traded away Jeff Wilson Jr., who had been running so well for them, and they did that when they acquired Christian McCaffrey. So now the question is, who's up next? Tyrion Davis-Price, who had flashed a little bit early in the season, had then been injured. Um, also important on special teams for them. We did see Mason. I believe it's Jordan. Is Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason. Yep. Undrafted uh, Jordan free agent Georgia Tech. Yep. yep. Who actually ran really well in the spots that he was given, but it's unclear exactly how they're going to roll out uh, the running backs to complement McCaffrey going forward. And Christian McCaffrey okay, thank you. Yep. dealing with a little bit of knee soreness on his own. We saw him um, look like he had a little strap around his knee, maybe a little tendonitis going on there. Uh, something that hopefully will be manageable, but nonetheless something to consider especially if the team is looking at, okay, this is big picture and they don't want to utilize Christian McCaffrey too much too soon if his knee is bothering. Yeah, stiffness was what Kyle Shanahan called yeah. it during his press conference uh, on Monday Which afternoon. Which usually, so. it's, you know, it put in, like reading tea leaves in terms of what they had him on, the kind of the stretching he was doing on the sideline, the description of the stiffness, probably a little patellar tendon stuff. wonder if they'll use Debo. Any, like a little bit more. Than that the was my game thought. Runners. Is that yeah. maybe you get a few more Debo carries on Sunday against yeah. the Dolphins? The, again, great slate of games on Sunday. That could be game of the week in Dolphins a normal week. 49ers. And yet, you've, again, there's so many good ones. One Chiefs, of us Bengals. just put in for Jordan Mason on waivers. I mean, I have yeah. to, Ooh. right? I have to because I, I, I had Melvin Gordon on my team. Uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Room league, what are you going to do? Deep league, sixteen team. Beat yeah. Jeff I mean, Darlington, your team by is, the way. Yeah. So <laughs> Darnell Mooney out for the season. You can drop him. Elijah Mitchell, unfortunately, out for the season. You can drop, you can him, drop as well. yep. him and, and Allen Robinson. Yeah, this one's really sad for me. This one, this one, uh, really sad because I had such high hopes for Allen Robinson coming to the Rams. We know that that didn't work out the way they had hoped. And then the type of injury that he suffered, a navicular fracture. It's a fracture uh, to a bone in the midfoot that is kind of critical for the arch of the foot. And the big issue with a fracture here is this bone has a poor blood supply, does not heal well. So you often have surgery to put a screw in to stabilize the fracture and help it to heal. But it's one of the toughest injuries to prognosticate for. Guys have had this fixed and they've come back and done very well. But sometimes you have it fixed, you come back, it can re-break, there's issues with the screw. So it's really hard to know how a player is going to do after surgery. I think Allen Robinson will recover. I think he'll do well. He actually had a similar injury on his opposite foot way back when he was with the Jags at the start of his career. So I think he'll do well, but he's also... 10 years in further into his career at this point. So remains to be seen what his future looks like for him, but he is in fact done for the season with this injury. I have no fantasy thoughts here other than um, a reality thought, which is that the Rams and, and Sean McVay yesterday did not rule out the possibility of Matthew Stafford, right. Cooper cup, Aaron Donald, who has a high ankle sprain, obviously Allen Robinson all being out for the rest of the year. I said this a couple of days ago, Daniels lions, own the Rams first round pick in 2023. Yep. Like literally, not like definitive, not like a, like a figuratively we own the Rams. No, pick. yeah. No, like not we own. It's yours. It, but no. it's, but it's, it's getting better and better I'm, by the week. I wonder if NFL it. teams, because there are a few, tangent, 10 second tangent. Real quick. Rams, <laughs> Broncos, all uh, Saints, all regretting these, these trades they made for yep. first round picks. I wonder if we'll see NBA style lottery protections going forward. Hey, Lions, Lions are tra- are acquiring the Rams 2023 first round pick unless it's in the top 10 and then it gets pushed to 2024, et cetera, Something et cetera. like that. Yeah. I think that we should make Stefania's big words part of the swear jar. Did you say prognosticate? Yeah. Do you I know did. how many, do you know how much 25 cents that would be for every letter in that? <laughs> yeah. I don't. How big is prognosticate? How many letters? <laughs> can are you that? spell it? Do you have the spelling bee? I can. P R O G N O S T I C A T E. 
Wow, and you didn't even ask me to use it in a sentence. Well, well you just did use it in a sentence. Come on. All right. Not like I would have understood it if you did. No, but. I didn't. I didn't get it. Come All on, right. Fields using big words more and more. Daniel, I've, join I've the got party. Some, I've got some vocabulary in, in my. All yeah, right. All right. As we matriculate our way down the note, <laughs> we're going to talk about James See? Connor. Which you know the best part about that? That's an iconic. Football phrase. Oh, yeah. uh, I think it was Hank Stram was the person oh, who used it. Uh, might have been, been Vince Lombardi, but it was. Matriculate. I think it was Stram, or, or, which was yeah. like completely yeah. misuse of matriculate. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's yet. a but it, football guy state. <laughs> but yeah, it is football lingo. Yeah. Matriculate for those unfamiliar <laughs> means like you're going to matriculate like into college. Like right. Right. that's when you often hear that like you know matriculated in the context of going to college. Um, I don't know how that word was used. Being a football term, but I, but I think pretty it, sure it's Hank Stram. It, it, still, it's got Urban Dictionary value, yeah, now, right? Yes. Like oh, it's become part yeah. of the football yeah, yeah, lore. Totally. It's accepted. Yeah. We accept it. Well, a guy who legitimately does matriculate down the field is James <laughs> Connor, Field yeah. Yates. Yeah. Running back 13, he was drafted after this preseason. Did you know that? And it's been a little bit back and forth, I feel like. But yeah. last couple of weeks, averaging 22, over 22 touches in his last three games. He's gotten in the end zone each of the last three games. Is James Conner, are we back to feeling confident and comfortable with him? Stefania Bell, I feel like you want me to start with you. I see you over there. Yeah, because Arizona insists on using him in this way. And he's amazing. Yeah. Amazingly talented. Looks the part. How long will it last? This is the problem with James Conner is when the volume is there, he has not been able to sustain it. That is my concern going forward. If he's on your roster, you're playing him. Of course you are. But you're also crossing your fingers, and you better make sure you have a backup plan. Yeah, you better make sure you have a backup plan. And I am not uh, trying to sound the alarm on James Conner in terms of like not utilizing him going forward. I am just telling you to prepare for the possibility of a disappointing finish of the season relative to where he's been for the past three weeks. They go on a buy this week. You can't use them. They play the Patriots the following week. Mike Clay told us about this last week going into the Vikings game. The Patriots don't allow rushing touchdowns. They've allowed two rushing touchdowns the entire season. Running backs have barely scored against the Patriots. It's a wild stat. I don't know how that's possible. The Broncos, they're a very good defense. The Buccaneers, they're a very good run defense. Top three, I think. They finish off, if you play in a league all the way in week 18, they play against the 49ers in week 18. So, yeah. Their defense looks pretty good. Yeah, they sure do. So, um, in the final five games that James Conner plays, I would argue that only one of those defenses is one that you feel like that's a positive matchup. He'll still be inside my top 20 for running backs, but maybe not my top 10 for running backs the rest of the season, which based off the past three games, he deserves to be in that conversation. I wonder if you try to trade him now. You move not him quite last there. minute. And, yeah, I think the problem with trading James Conner right now is that the person who's acquiring James Conner? Bye week. Well, there's you probably ha- you'd have to be like pretty high up on the mountaintop to acquire James Conner right now because he's on a buy. Yeah. So if you're like acquiring James Conner, it's like I'm so good that I don't need to worry about this week, and you'd probably be selling low on James Conner. Like, all right, all right yeah. I need to win this week, so I have to have a running back. Who can I get that's eighty cents on the dollar of James Conner's value? So uh, it's going to be a tricky trade to pull off in my estimation, but still like has enough value there to uh, to keep him and keep him inside lineups, even with decreased expectations. How about Gus Edwards, Stefania? We saw him come back last week and be able to play for the Ravens. How did that? How did he look for you? I, I thought he looked good. Here's my concern is that now they are opening the practice window for J.K. Dobbins. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been out since week six when he went back in under the knife to have some scar tissue removed from his knee that was giving him trouble. And not that I necessarily expect huge production from J.K. Dobbins. We don't know what we'll get. We're also, we can't guarantee that he'll actually return to the field. But if he does, it just clouds the running back picture that much more. I yeah. agree with that one. And he's already going to be outside our top 25, top 30 field. So it's going to be, it's sort of a wait and see approach for me on Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards makes your fantasy lineup if he is the guy and they are scoring a lot of touchdowns and he is getting the goal line carries. Yep. That has not been the case this season. They are not scoring as much as they have in previous years. Gus Edwards is not getting all the work. J.K. Dobbins could return us to find you just mentioned. He is outside my top 30 for week 13. Let's talk David Njoku who had a nice return and as we all know is going to get Deshaun Watson under center rather than Jacoby Brissett the rest of the way field. It feels like as long as David Njoku is healthy, he's going to be a lineup lock for you the rest of the season at the tight end position. Got him as tight end five this week. And so you've got the, the, the Kelsey's and the Andrews of the world that are at the very top of the heap. I believe it's Dalton Schultz and TJ Hawkinson ahead of him. And that's it for me this me week. Too. But um, I'll use David Njoku just as a little bit of a springboard for the conversation about what we expect from the Browns offense. I just think go across the board. 
and every player that has been fantasy relevant in a, any way, shape, or form amongst pass catchers gets a tick up in value. Uh, yeah. Deshaun Watson on the football field has <clears throat> been one of the most productive fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, as a matter of fact, since he entered the league in 2017, he's averaged over 22 fantasy points per game. Only Patrick Mahomes averages more, so you expect this offense to be even more high scoring than it has been, even more efficient than it has been. So Amari Cooper, who's wide receiver eight on the season, by the way. Heck yeah. Lineup block. David Njoku, lineup block. Donovan Peoples-Jones on the periphery of being a flex consideration, depending on what size your league is as well. Uh, and you'd expect this offense, uh, given the matchup this week, to be able to put up a lot of points against the Texans. And if you were wondering how David Njoku would look coming off of you know an ankle injury followed by a knee issue... All you had to see was that one-hand touchdown grab where he went up in the air. I mean, that was the physical kind of play. No hesitation, no apprehension from him. Uh, loved how he looked coming off the injuries that he's had recently. All right, Stefania, let's talk about Michael Gallup because we mm. watched Michael Gallup return from injury, right? First four games, had 4.3 targets per game. But he obviously looked like he wasn't 100%. He didn't return fully ready to be on the field. was working his way back. Came back early. Last four games, he's had 6.3 targets per game. So a little bit of an uptick in usage here. How do you see Michael Gallup in this return from injury? Is he at a spot where you feel comfortable with where he's at? Or is he still dealing with some of the lingering effects? Um, yes. Yes, got it. It's both of those things, right? He's getting more comfortable with being back in the field and playing football. And look, listen to players when they are giving you the hints that they're still apprehensive. Michael Gallup is the one who said he wanted more practice reps before coming back from that ACL injury. Remember, we were hearing from Jerry Jones that he was right around the corner. The Cowboys were so positive. And Michael Gallup is the one who pushed his return back because he wanted to test his leg more in practice. And he still came back early from that ACL injury. And there is a period of getting comfortable on the field Following that, we've seen it with every player who's come back this year from an ACL injury that some do better than others initially, but most of them spend several weeks trying to feel normal playing football and not thinking about their leg anymore, but just thinking about the game. I think Michael Gallup is getting to that point, but can you all of a sudden expect great things? I, I, I'm not there. I think I'm with you on that. And Field, when I look at this offense, there are a couple things. CeeDee Lamb. Far and away, the number one pass catcher, Dalton Schultz, looks like the number two guy to me. And third, and maybe the most important thing, this offense runs the football really stinking well behind Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. No two ways about it. They're a defense, pass the ball enough, and run the football really well team yep. this year. That's just how they're going to be uh, successful this season. Couldn't Michael agree Gallup with you more, Daniel. More of a luxury so for their offense right now than He's an okay, and I, I, I'll, I'll say this a million times over the next, what, 12 days until this until week 14 is behind us is yep. that we're now past all but eight bye weeks. So not, not a week, 14 days from right now, every team will be, will have played exactly 13 games and you don't have to worry about having a backup quarterback, a backup tight end in your roster, a backup kicker to fill in for right. Justin Tucker or something <clears throat> like that. Cause you don't want to drop him. So you're going to have, I would think more bench flexibility, a fine add and stash there for Michael Gallup. Um, because the schedule is fairly favorable over the next month, but not a guy that's going to immediately, you know, return massive value and probably expect a much rosier outlook next season. They also said uh, that they weren't sure they were going to bring James Washington back. So somebody who might have cut into Michael yeah. Gallup's uh, opportunities wow. may not be coming back this year. Gosh, James Washington is a name that I remember from the preseason. Yeah. Him and Cedric Wilson both. Remember and he had they a foot injury, be... and then that was it. And that was it. And Wilson, I mean, Wilson's like the odd man out in Miami. In Miami. Oh, yeah. And like, he got $22.5 million bucks this season, this offseason, over three years. And it's not just Trent Sherfield as a third wide receiver. They've got several guys playing ahead of Cedric Wilson. What about Richie James, Field Yates? Back-to-back games with 10 or more fantasy points, and this is one of those things. Two teams on a bye this week. Yeah. Six teams on a bye next week. I think if you have the option, look at your roster next week and maybe try to get ahead waivers a week because it's the last two weeks of waivers, like you said, Field. So maybe, you know, rather than have everybody fighting that last week for a playoff push, if you have the option, look ahead, see what you need. However, is Richie James one of those guys? I, I, you know something, Daniel? I think if you play in a deeper league, it's fine. Sure. He strikes me as the kind of guy that may get you 10 points in a fantasy week, but I'm not expecting 20 points from Richie James. This is a guy who, like, was beleaguered earlier on in the season, but... 
the Giants are as wide receiver starved as any team in the NFL right now. Yep. Someone has to catch passes. So I think it's a fine deep league ad. I wouldn't go any further than that. And I was thinking about this and sorry to get a little bit disconnected from the point of this initial conversation. But if anybody tries to defend the Denver Broncos right now, is, well, there, you know, is there somebody trying to do that? People, you know, well, you know, first year of the system and all this stuff. And I'm like, the Giants are literally <laughs> signing players who like are 39 years old to play wide. They're signing guys who've been out of the league for five years and are still averaging way more points per game than the Denver Broncos. So uh, my point is just that um, I I think like, you know, what what would the the Giants do to have Cortland Sutton on their roster? Oh my gosh. What would Cortland Sutton do to be on the Giants (laughs) roster? (laughs) Better question. Better question. Here's a weird scheduling quirk though. The Giants, there's their, there's their remaining schedule. Washington, Philly, Washington, Washington, Minnesota, Indy, Philly. Philly. Yeah. So they get four, like back to like that's crazy for their last. It's six gonna games, be fun to Washington watch that division at the end. Very I mean, fun, the, yeah. the, the, all of a sudden that East. division that we were mocking last year, oh yeah, was all of a sudden really really interesting. Well, and the one we, that we thought was around. gonna be like the what would we call it the group of death yeah. in, in, in football, AFC West, yeah. AFC West. Stinks. Boom. So with that AFC West, like is Justin Herbert back to the spot where like okay, oh. Keenan Allen's back, Stefania, maybe we've got more like listen, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert or uh uh Josh Palmer, Gerald Everett, he's got right. a ton of weapons. They might just peak at the right time yeah. to make this really interesting if for them they can and get healthy. Let's not forget that when Justin Herbert was injured, we all were you know, you were in pain for him when he had that rib cartilage injury. People forget because he never missed time. You forget how long it takes for that to fully heal. This is like a six to eight week recovery. And he was trying to recover while continuing to play. It's no accident that he is suddenly better, especially in the last couple of weeks, 19 or more fantasy points in the last two games. And he had been under 19 fantasy points in the five games before that. Look at their schedule coming up. Las Vegas, Miami, and Tennessee in the next three weeks, all bottom six against quarterbacks this season. That's I think Justin positive. Herbert looks wow. amazing. He's got Keenan Allen back. Uh, Mike Williams, although he aggravated that high ankle injury, I think that you will see him back here relatively soon. It was more of a tweak, as they call it. Um, so he missed a week. We'll see if he misses one more. But everything's starting to happen nicely for the chargers including good play calling at the end of game so hey, you know, yeah let's see if let's see where they healthy, go i mean look they have a they got a shot and this is the perfect time of the year for them to be with a full complement of their weapons yeah if you've advanced really far in your if you are set up well for the playoffs in your league it's probably not because of justin herbert this season you've held on to him because he's still justin herbert Correct. and it could be that if you're the four seed in your league with justin herbert you could become a very, very oh, scary yeah. matchup for one of those top teams in your league because the next three weeks are just so juicy schedule-wise for, schedule for Herbert. Raiders, Dolphins, Titans. A little bit more difficult in the final three. Mm-hmm. You've got the uh, Colts. Colts, Rams, Broncos, but still, those uh, next three are pretty good. may yeah. not be, you know, especially if Aaron Donald's out. And yeah, that's true. Else that's playing. I was so impressed. I know the Rams are in a lost season, but I was really impressed by the way they competed this past Sunday against yeah. the Chiefs. Like it could have been a rollover game and they lost by 16 points, but with Bryce Perkins at quarterback, they hung tough for about two and a half quarters there. Pretty good stuff. Phil, how do you feel about Geno Smith? 19 or more yeah. fantasy points in four straight games but is this still sustainable for the rest of the season? I feel like that's the question that we've been asking on Gino all season yeah, long. I say we've netted out where we've netted out, Daniel, yeah. is that Gino Smith probably has been, been discussed more, uh, not just because of his story, but because there have been really no other quarterbacks that have sort of risen from nowhere and been awesome. Like every year, we, it seems like we have two, three, four of those guys. So you're like, no one was talking about him in the preseason. Now he's a fantasy starter. Gino's kind of the lone player in that category now that Justin Fields is not. Literally nobody was talking about Geno Smith. Though. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, like totally. he was like being undrafted in, in like 16 team leagues and it was bad. But it's not like he is catapult. Like Justin Fields took it to a level that was like, of course, hey, you have no choice. You must start this guy. He's going to win you your week. Geno Smith strikes me as the kind of quarterback that if you're starting him because you've replaced a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford a long time ago, what you are getting is adequate production. I don't think Geno Smith's going to be the guy that leads my team to a playoff uh, to a playoff victory. 
He also is not going to be the reason why we lose our right. matchup based right. off of how he has performed this season. The schedule is a little bit trickier coming up because they do have San Francisco, the Rams, and Carolina in the next three weeks. Actually, it's the Rams, uh, Carolina, San Francisco, who are at least frisky, if not very good defenses. That being said, I still think he's good enough to be on that quarterback one-ish radar, somewhere around like 9 to 12 or 13, depending on the week. I think that's where I've got Trevor Lawrence as well in that same kind of stretch, like in that nine to eight to 12 area, especially because of the remaining schedule. He's got Detroit this week yeah. and then Tennessee next week. Those are two great matchups. And with the way that they just looked last week in a game in which they didn't even use Travis Etienne because he's on the sideline most of the game. I feel like Travis Et- or Trevor Lawrence is in a spot smash spot potentially here next two weeks at the quarterback position really like him as well I don't see the uh, I understand you probably haven't been riding with him as your starter hopefully hopefully you've not been having Trevor Lawrence as your starter but these next two weeks last two weeks where there are bye weeks Trevor Lawrence is somebody that you can absolutely count on against the Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans all right Field Yates Stefania Bell we got some bills to pay before we move on and talk about some peace. Star on you first. Well, guys, Geico asks, yep. how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Love it. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Tis the season to get together with good friends and great drinks, and that means tis Miller time. Sure, the holidays can be stressful. All the more reason to raise a glass or can to keep things uncomplicated. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks, just great beer. Not only is Miller Lite a great tasting light beer, it's also a great fit for the beer lovers in your life. And for even more gift ideas perfect for the beer lovers, visit the Miller Lite shop site at shop.millerlite.com. Their new holiday collection features everything from cozy beer-inspired holiday sweaters to drinkable ornaments for your tree. This holiday, tis Miller time. So enjoy Miller time with friends and family. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to millerlite.com slash FFF to find delivery options near you so you can give the gift of Miller time this holiday season. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Tis Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. It's the best time of year. Football season is in full swing. Basketball and hockey have returned. And nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. Make up for lost time, so go out and enjoy a game. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase with code FFF. That is code FFF. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. It is time now for Little Caesars Preview, which is brought to you by Little Caesars. It's game day with Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Pizza, pizza. pizza. Thank you. Pizza, pizza. Thank you. We were kind of yeah, yeah, for a second. Stefania. Right. Thursday night football, we have the Patriots playing host to the Buffalo Bills, and Damian Harris looks very, very iffy at best to play in this game for the Patriots, which means could Ramondre Stevenson have 100% of the snaps? All right, probably not that much, but I do expect Ramondre Stevenson to be a very busy man on Thursday night, and nine catches last Thursday, that's probably a difficult number to reach. But did you know he's actually third in the NFL amongst all running backs and catches this season? He has 50. Mondre is the man. On Sunday, we're all wondering, what does Josh Jacobs do for an encore? He had a ridiculous game this past Sunday, over 300 yards of total offense, 48.3 fantasy points. Probably difficult to replicate that. 400 yards this week, Phil! I was going to say, but I wouldn't put it past him, Daniel. We'll keep our eyes on whether Josh Jacobs maintains that absurd volume on Sunday. He probably will be banged up this week with that calf injury. You can imagine he's a pretty sore guy. And on Monday Night Football, it's the matchup that I think kind of defines what Mike Clay does with that wide receiver cornerback column every single week. Marshawn Lattimore Mm. and Mike Evans. We think, think Marshawn Lattimore could play on Monday night for the Saints. And if you go back and check the numbers, 
It ain't pretty for Mike Evans. Mike Clay will dive into that and so much more on Thursday's podcast. That being said, if you're thinking ahead, it might be one of those weeks where you prepare for less production than usual from Mike Evans. I can't wait to watch that matchup. That alone would be worth it for Monday Night Football. Perhaps we can get a Monday Night Football cam dedicated exclusively to Mike Evans and and Mar- I was going to say Christian Lattimore. Wow. That is. <laughs> wow. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. <laughs> who is Christian Lattimore? No one knows. Here's a question. Were you thinking of Christian Leitner? Did you have a little hoops going oh, through wow. the break? I mean, it's the closest name I yeah, can think is a of good to call. that. I don't know. What is, Carolina. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, What's slightly less works. of Mike Evans this season? Not much. I mean, there, <laughs> now Todd Bowles is answering questions as to why Evans and Brady haven't had much chemistry. It's, it's not great. It's not great. Not Nothing's great, great right now for Tampa. I'll tell you one guy who is great. Eric Moody. Eric Moody. Hey. Hey. Bringing us the waiver wire every single week. Without Eric, the waiver wire wouldn't exist in fantasy football. And you give us all of the updates that we need to know. Eric, so great to have you like we always do. I'm going to start right off. Follow Eric at Eric N. Moody on Twitter. And Eric, tell us everywhere else that people can follow you. So we're not doing this at the end of the interview. And then we'll talk about all the players that people want to know about. <laughs> Well, no, you hit the head of the nail. You know, you got Twitter at Eric and Moody. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. So if you're on social media, just search for that handle and you will find me. Love it. All right, Eric, let's talk quarterbacks here. Let's talk. First off, two buys here this week, six buys the following week. So we've got eight more teams on our buy. Anything about this week where you're saying, hey, if you're looking ahead, maybe look at next week so you can get ahead of the curve of those six bye weeks for anybody. Are you looking at anybody deep into the bye weeks this week? Yeah, and you brought up a great point with those bye weeks. It's always better to be proactive than reactive, especially in fantasy football. So one name that comes to mind, Dop, is Deshaun Watson. And so it's been a lot of banter about Deshaun Watson for a while now. It's hard to believe that this is a player that the last time he took an NFL snap was 695 days ago. And we've been watching this Cleveland team all season with Jacoby Brissett under center. They've got playmakers at every position, and Brissett has had some success in fantasy. So one would assume that even though Watson has been away, he's still been kind of connected to the team, you know, that he could either meet what Brissett has been able to do or potentially exceed it. And I'm like, this is a player that's averaged 22.7 fantasy points per game in his career. He's a dual threat. We know fantasy managers are enamored by the Konami code quarterback, so he can create points with his arm and with his legs. And so if you need a quarterback, I would pick up Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he took his last NFL snap 695 days ago. I'm interested to see if there's any kind of rust here for Deshaun Watson, having not played in an NFL game in quite a while for his game back against the Texans. So we will see how that goes. Yes. If you need another quarterback or Deshaun is not out there or you don't want to pick up Deshaun Watson this week, Eric, is there another quarterback that you like and would look at off of the waiver wire? There is. And I've got another uh, option for fantasy managers out there, especially those that are playing like in deeper formats. And let's talk about Mike White with that performance that he had. Second career. I know, right? I know. Like second career game with 300, over 300 passing yards and at least three passing touchdowns. And I'm like, he's excelled uh, when given an opportunity to start. And I'm like, he showed everyone that I would say what this Jets offense is capable of. And we know Zach Wilson has struggled uh, really all season for this team. And I think a lot of frustration was building up like with the Jets coaching staff and also in the Jets locker room. And even considering some of the headlines that Zach Wilson has had leading up to this season and then the stunt that he pulled in the press conference, I think that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. But you got Mike White, who's very hungry. I'm like, this is a player who really had to scrap and claw to get to where he's at in the NFL at this point, where you got Wilson, who was a very high draft pick, who may have taken things for granted. But you look at his performance, not only Mike White's performance, I'd say this team's performance, they've really rallied behind him. But you look at the schedule, um, they've got the Vikings, Bills, Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks, and Dolphins. Those are all matchups where Mike White can excel. So if you need a QB2 or a QB3 with upside, if you're in a two-quarterback league or a deeper format, look no further than Mike White. I think he's going to be overlooked because of the small sample size. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And another guy I think is probably going to be overlooked is this next guy you want to talk about, which is Mike White's teammate. I'd never even heard of him until yesterday, Eric Moody. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. So we've got Zonovan Knight. That's right. Just kind of came came out of nowhere. I'm like 69 rushing yards were the most by a Jets player in their debut since Matt Snell 
from back in 1964. Wow. Additionally, I'm like, he was very capable as a receiver out of the backfield, like with 34 receiving yards. So I think the big takeaway with, I would say it's two, because I know people are wondering about, about Michael Carter and his injury. It looks like it's a low ankle sprain. Who knows, you know, how much time he'll miss. I know everyone's keeping their fingers crossed that, okay, low ankle sprain as opposed to a high ankle sprain is a win. But I think the bigger takeaway for me was really looking at James Robinson, who was a healthy and active going into this game. And so you've got, you know, the Jets coaching staff. They were saying that, hey, we are looking for a spark in this running game. And with with a nice performance, I, I, I felt like that was a spark. Do you think that was a spark, Dobbs? 17 I, I touches. Good, right? It felt like there was a spark there. <laughs> there was, listen, they were looking for something and they were yeah. able to at least find it in him. That could have been a lot worse at the running back position than what Zonovan Knight did. So there's, I'm totally with you here. As exactly. A, as a, uh, and this is tough because we're not really sure how good this offense is mm. going to be. We saw one week. I, I know that you talked about this. We saw one week under Mike White. And I do think in deeper leagues, yeah. it's worth taking a shot on. I'm curious how this offense is going to look, but there are a lot of good guys in this offense. I understand Brees Hall is hurt, but they still yes. got a bunch of really good wide receivers. Michael Carter banged up. We'll see how the rest of that works. So if Zonovan Knight can can fill in here, man, he could be in a really great spot. If you cannot grab someone like Zonovan Knight, is there another running back that you like off of the waiver wire this week? Well, I guess we'll, we'll go uh, from New York and we'll go all the way to, uh, to Los Angeles with uh, Kyron Williams. So let's talk about Williams. Uh, what I like about Williams is that you look at this Rams backfield. Like he led them in snaps, uh, routes run, and rushing attempts against the Chiefs on Sunday. Now, he didn't start in the game. Cam Akers started. But at the end of the day, Williams had more fantasy points than Akers. I do like that he's being used heavily as a receiver out of the backfield. I think that gives him an edge, especially in fantasy where most leagues are half-point PPR or one-point PPR. And... I think it really kind of boils down to this. You have to ask yourself a question if you're a fantasy manager. I do like Williams as a stash, but, and I have to throw a butt in there. Uh-oh. You look at this Rams offense. It's a disaster. <laughs> I'm like, do you want exposure to an offense that ranks 31st in total yards per game and 29th in points scored per game? And then with being the next offensive lineman, I always look at the offensive line. And this is a unit that has struggled to stay healthy. They've had so many different lineup combinations. It's been tough to build continuity. But furthermore, you look at this offensive line, they rank 27th in run block win rate and 23rd in pass block win rate. And so I do like Williams as a pickup, especially if you're in a deeper format. But it's important to have the right expectations. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. That's fair. Just for Rams across the board the rest of the season, it's important to have the right expectations. Eric, I don't think anyone yes. could say it any better. Let's talk about the wide receiver position here. A couple names that are pretty intriguing here at the wide receiver position, including a rookie who found his way into the end zone for the first time this year. Yes, yes, I do like Traylon Burks. You know, so I'm excited to be on the show to talk about Traylon Burks once again. So he scored 17 or more fantasy points in consecutive games. He's caught 11 of 14 targets for 181 yards over over those two games. And to your point, he did catch a touchdown, even though it was kind of gifted to him since it's the holiday season from Derrick Henry. But we we won't go get no into that. So I look at Burks, and he's like the he's the, the uh, I would say he's the type of player for where I, I would pick him up now. But I wouldn't kind of rush to put him in my starting lineup this week against the Eagles in their difficult secondary. But you look at the games after that, the Jaguars, uh, Chargers, and Texans from weeks like 14 through 16, all are excellent wide receiver matchups. And so I just believe that Burks is really just scratching the surface of what he's capable of. This is the week to pick him up. Ooh, heck yeah. I like that a lot. And Field Jates has talked about Traylon Brooks as well, someone he likes down the stretch. So grab him off the waiver wire, even if you don't put him right into your fantasy starting lineup. At least someone you can have on your bench for when things potentially improve. Speaking of improving, there was a wide receiver last week in Zay Jones who absolutely crushed it. This week, unfortunately, gets my Detroit Lions. Of course, we can't get out of here without you taking a shot at my bad Lions secondary. So go ahead and talk about why Zay Jones is a good option this week. Yeah, yeah, you got to love Zay Jones in this matchup. But I, I would just say the rapport between Trevor Lawrence and Zay Jones has been, it's been great to, to watch. I would say, I would use the word, like it's its undeniable just watching <laughs> these two on the field together. And uh, I would say over the last five games, you look at the passer rating that Lawrence has when targeting Jones, it's actually 101.6. And against the Ravens on Sunday, Mike Jones had a career high 145 receiving yards in a career high what 27 and a half fantasy points and uh to your point um you know he's got a great matchup against the lions uh, we know how many fantasy points per game they allow 
two wide receivers and the number of passing yards that they allow to opposing quarterbacks. And so I think the stage is really set for Zay Jones to to have a great game. And I know he hasn't gotten uh, had a, a ton of games where he's had double digit targets. But whenever he gets the targets, I'm like, he's producing. So if you're in a deeper format, you're looking for a flex with upside, again, look no further than Zay Jones. He's a great option. I'm totally with you. Somebody that you can definitely pick up. Trevor Lawrence has looked really nice. Got a couple of really nice games coming up against the Lions and the Titans. So you're in some pretty good spots here. You could do way worse than Zay Jones. Eric, thank you so much for hanging out with us every single Tuesday here on the Waiver Wire. Love seeing your face, brother. Oh, absolutely. Until next time, my friend. Until next time, on behalf of Eric and Field and Stefania and everybody here at Fantasy Focus, please know how much we love you. Don't forget to love each other. Please be kind to yourself. You deserve that. And we can't wait to see you tomorrow. We'll see you guys on Wednesday when we talk rankings. See ya. got a smile that'll melt your heart she's always there to lend a helping hand her fantasy knowledge is just the start her skills are highly in demand she's our bay area lady out there hustling for us Advice that we really trust. Bay Area lady, always there to help. She's not a cone, she's your favorite gal. She's to find your best.